With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. The panel. We have got Guy Havelt with us this morning and James Regan as well, which I am particularly pleased about. And uh, Guy, we'll start with you. Um, and uh, I, I guess it was almost a bit of an anti-climax, the naming of the All Black squad We've been, uh, or the All Black team to play uh, the Wallabies. We've been in the past, because of uh, all the events, been uh, eagerly awaiting it, but it was almost um, pretty much uh, what we expected. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Uh, morning, Jimmy, and, and everyone else listening. Uh, Smithy, I just want to ask you, how on earth did you survive a week in the commentary box with those with those bloody Aussies oh. bleating on about their cricket team? I'm, I'm yeah, impressed. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, they are a, t- a very respectful bunch, and, and I get on well with uh, Kerry O'Keefe's skull because we're the same vintage. Um, and he can see my, he can see he can see the pain through the back of my eyes. So he's pretty he's pretty cool on me. The others. The other's not quite so patient, but that's just fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm it, sure we'll just, talk about that more. more yeah, in we will over, um, over, yeah. Yeah, um, but the All Blacks, no, no, look, I, I think it was pretty pretty well scripted, wasn't it? Uh, pretty well signposted that this would be the team. I like Scott Barrett at number six in this case. I think it's great that Brodie Retallick and Sam Whitelock are teaming up again. I will continue to beat this drum until they do it. I cannot believe that we have not seen Will Jordan at fullback yet. Yet the best fullback in the world, uh, and they continue to put him in a position that's not his best position. I think if you want to get, you know, Will Jordan at his best, play him at fullback, and I will, as I say, continue to beat that drum until it happens. Okay, interesting, James. What did you make of the All Black squad? Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty interesting, and not perhaps uh, unexpected given what we've seen from Ian Foster. Uh, and his team naming in the past. I'm, I'm glad they've, they've stuck with that backline, although I do have to agree with Guy to a certain extent to try Will Jordan at fullback and see what magic he comes up with. We've seen what he can do for the Crusaders and the All Blacks when he's given the chance to, to maybe free up a bit and play with a bit of freedom and, and express himself. Um, but it, it looks a solid team, and the more this team can, can get games together and build combinations and... and get their confidence going and get momentum going, it'll only help. Um, the Wallabies will be well up for this, you can guarantee, given um, they'll probably see, they'll probably see it as their best chance in a while to, to have a crack at winning Bledisloe, given where the All Blacks have been over the past few months and the Wallabies have been a bit hot and cold. But um, from an All Blacks point of view, I, I think it's a good team and it's, um, it's going to be a really, really interesting game. I, I can't... Um 
begin. I would never have named that Wallaby backline. I mean, Foley himself coming in, 71 matches under his belt, James. But to be honest, Jake Gordon instead of Nick, well, I would never have named that that backline. And I'm sure the All Blacks weren't expecting that. Yeah, absolutely. Considering how good, especially Nick White was going, and they were probably in the same boat as the All Blacks trying to build combinations. And we saw a bit of it against the Springboks. Um, especially in that first game. But you have to think that Dave Rennie, there may be some method to the madness there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I can't think of it myself. And um, it'll be interesting to see whatever he says about the selections. But it's a, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, that's for sure. Guy Havelt, uh, we also yesterday had uh, the com- confirmation of the Black Ferns squad, World Cup squad, um, they've had uh, quite a good preparation. I've been unbeaten under Wayne Smith now that it's just around the corner, and it literally is. How are you feeling about it? Um, it's a very good question. I, I'm struggling to read where this team's at. Obviously had some good wins over Australia, but they've lost four in a row and quite convincingly to France, and they've lost to England twice in a row as well. Obviously they haven't played them for a little while and certainly not under Wayne Smith, so it's kind of hard to know where they are at in terms of those two teams and I think they are the two teams that, that are likely to challenge the Black Ferns the most for this world title uh, Look, going along to, to the team naming yesterday and, and Jimmy was there as well uh, there's just something about Wayne Smith every time he talks um, you know you, you, you kind of I wouldn't say sucked in is the right term but you really start to believe what he talks about, uh, he's an incredibly bright man uh, the way he is able to explain what he's done and, and how he goes about things is uh, I, I have a lot of respect for. I mean, he, he obviously left some massive names out of that squad, the likes of Chelsea Semple, uh, Eloise Blackwell, uh, even, even Tyler Nathan Wong, who I think a few people thought, despite the fact she'd only played one game of 15s for the Black Ferns anyway, I, I think a few people thought she might have been in the team. I, I, I really liked the way he said that they didn't make phone calls to the people that missed out. They went around all the hubs, sat down with them and explained why they weren't in the team. I don't know if that's ever happened in terms of an All Blacks or a Black Fern squad before, but I thought that was a massive show of respect uh, for a lot of those players from Wayne Smith and that coaching group. So, yeah, as I say, hard to read on exactly where they're at. I think they've improved. Whether they can win the tournament or whether they will win the tournament, in fact, I, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think semi-finals, and then, as we all know, anything can happen from there, can't it? Well, can, Guy. Um, we're going to take a, I'm going to come back to you on that point, and James as well. Um, it's very interesting, actually. I read that as well, and I thought to myself, hello, um, never seen that before, but I wonder why. I'll come back to that uh, after we have a quick news break here with uh, Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. Guy Havelt and James Regan with us this morning, and uh, I, I just want to pick up on that point that Guy made, uh, James, in terms of uh, the personalised treatment of disappointed players. Um, and I just wonder now, is this uh, something we're, we're going to see going forward in particular uh, with uh, women's teams on the back of uh, Glenn Moore getting oosted uh, with the treatment or supposed treatment within the camp, and, of course, on the back of, and I, I, um, and I, I say this um, with the greatest respect, the Olivia Podmore situation where she felt obviously quite left out at certain times. Is this, do you think Wayne Smith has, has uh, introduced this type of policy of personal contact, of disappointment, um, as a legacy of some of those things? Yeah, you, you have to say, and, and it's probably um, 
something Wayne Smith and the whole coaching setup should be commended for the way they've gone about their business, not just with relation to the team aiming, but the whole kind of culture shift they seem to have within the Black Fern. Something Whitney Hanson said yesterday at the announcement stood out in terms of they're not they don't just want to pick the best players, they want good people in their team as well. And and that kind of says to me that they know they've had they know they've not had the best preparation for a home World Cup. But if you can get to, as Guy says, hopefully the quarters or the semis, and you have the right people and the right culture in there, notably the Sevens the sevens players who have had amazing success. Alan Bunting's in there who's create, created an amazing culture in that Sevens environment. If you can put things in place that kind of carry you through and make turning up to training during a World Cup that more enjoyable and give you that bit of belief, then I think that can that can carry you anywhere, especially when you're at home. So the way the whole coaching group, and especially Wayne Smith, of course, but the way they've gone about it seems to be really smart given they know they've not had the best preparation and they know they're not the best team in the world at the moment. England and France are obviously the top tier, so they've tried to change the approach and uh, hopefully it works, but the way they've looked after these players seems to be top draw as well. Uh, what about you, Guy? Do you, you think uh, this will be the norm from now on or should be the norm from now on? Well, I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been the norm uh, until now. And, and as I say, I, maybe it has been. It sounds like it hasn't been. It sounds like this is the first time that that's kind of been a focal point of of, of a team naming, uh, particularly players that you've left out. I, I can't believe that it hasn't been before that, particularly for your players, the likes of, you know, in this case, Chelsea Semple, Eloise Blackwell, those types of players... Um, you know, in, in teams who have given so much to those teams over the years. Uh, I would have thought that would have been the done thing um, in teams past as well. Uh, so I think it is a good move. And, and you know, I, I think you're right. I think it probably has been brought on largely by the review that, that was that was undertaken around Glenn Moore and, and all that sort of stuff and the results of that. I think it's partly, in, in part, possibly a little bit of a PR play, but also... I think Wayne Smith is a, is a very, very upstanding individual that he would have gone. We need to do this, particularly for those players who have been such an integral part of this team for so many years. James, uh, let's turn our attention, if we can, to the NRL, that bizarre game last weekend between South Sydney uh, and, of course, the Sydney Roosters. And the fallout from that now, of course, has been the judiciary. We see that um, pretty much everyone um, who was involved in that, bar Tom Burgess, has uh, he's copped a suspension? The rest, the rest, of course, are uh, free to carry on. And then you uh, now South is saying, what about this Tail and May situation where he's been clearly caught on video assaulting somebody, gets a two-game ban for that incident, but is deferred till next season? And South is saying, well, hold the phone here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, first of all, that that whole week of finals and particularly that last game between the Roosters and South was was exceptional. It was entertaining and that last game in particular was just madness. Um, but it was probably the most predictable storyline this year, wasn't it? As soon as the NRL made the decision about Taylor May, you just knew that, of course, with the games that were on, on paper, there was going to be suspensions, there was going to be a bit of fallout. And of course clubs are going to turn around and go, well, how is it different for him? Why, why are we copying it for this week in the finals? and Taylor May was free to play. Like, it was just, it was incredibly predictable. It adds another layer of stupidity probably to the decision originally from the NRL 
that they made around Taylor May. And clubs have every right to go, well, why should we cop a suspension when you're supposedly thinking of the fans by allowing Taylor May to play and our fans are going to suffer because whoever is suspended this week, it's just madness. And hopefully from a Kiwi's point of view as well, Jared Whitey Hargraves is okay to, to play in the World Cup and his suspension gets carried over to next year. If the NRL claims to care about the international game the way they do, that would be great. But, um, yeah, another another funny wee chapter in the, in the NRL season. Guy, um, I'm not sure if you want to have a view on that. I, I, I know that you'd probably like to have a view um, on the cricket. Uh, I, I'm, I've been scratching my head thinking about this because they'll deny it till um, the proverbials come home. But the fact of the matter is we just cannot beat Australia in Australia for a start. We just get absolutely bamboozled by them in any situation, it seems. I'm convinced of that now. I absolutely am. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you. Just on the league, uh, that's a joke in terms of the inconsistency around those around those bannings. Um, you know, make it one season or the next. Hurry, you know, decide. Um, don't be all over the show with with how you put those penalties in place. I think that's absolutely absurd. Uh, in terms of the cricket, it was tough, wasn't it? And and as I say, I can only imagine how brutal it would have been for you to sit next to those gloating Aussies in there. I think you're right. I think there is absolutely a mental barrier. For this team, I also feel uh, that this team is about to go through a bit of an ugly patch, uh, particularly in the test arena. Uh, I think the Black Caps are probably going to, well, we've already started to see it, but I think they're going to fall off the pace for a, for a wee while uh, to come. Uh, I was I was very, very disappointed with the batting, uh, and that's to say the least. Um, you know, you, outside of losing Ross Taylor, uh, there weren't massive changes to the ODI team that we've seen in recent times. And they looked just, well, inept, really. They looked totally inept, apart from a couple of occasions here and there where players scored half centuries or, you know, 30s or 40s. That's not going to win you a game of ODI cricket. Uh, and they looked scared at times. They looked, um, they looked clueless. Uh, it, was, it was incredibly disappointing. And, you know, I, I kind of sit there and I think, well, you know, there was the big, not really a debate. It was kind of like the, the Black Caps were given the Hellberg for the World Test Championship. And don't get me wrong, that was an amazing moment. But if we look back through that World Test Championship reign, they got thrashed by Australia throughout that. Uh, I'm not saying they weren't the World Test Champions because they were, and it was an amazing moment in New Zealand history. But I just feel like until they start beating Australia on a regular, consistent basis, both here at home and in Australia, uh, there will always be a little bit of an asterisk for me around, around this team and how they're going. So... Yeah, uh, a lot, I think, to work on for this Black Caps team uh, and, and a few a few concerning elements as well going forward. Totally agree. Totally agree, Guy. Uh, and James Regan, um, I'll give you the last word on this. How much are we going to miss Trent Bolt when we can't have him after what we saw in Australia? Yeah, massively, isn't it? And it's kind of one of those things. We've been so lucky to have him and to Dowdy for so long. Um and it always had to come to an end, but you, you just hope there is another player coming through, another couple of players coming through, looking at who, who will walk away in the next <clears throat> couple of years. Um, otherwise, this team is, is in a bit of trouble, um, given what we saw in Australia, and it's not the best Australian team by any, any stretch, but relying on a couple of players like Trent Bolt, you, you just can't do it in international cricket, and hope for their sake there are a couple of, a couple of guys coming through who can fill those, those shoes, because 
he will be desperately missed, yeah. Well, if they are, I haven't seen him. Yes, yes, Guy? If you're going to play Tim Saudi, if you're going to play Tim Saudi, why, I mean, he is one of the best bowlers with the new ball in terms of swing. If you're going to play him, why wouldn't you open bowling with him? That was one thing. I think it was in the second game where I really, really was scratching my head around that. I know Trent Bolt was amazing, but when you've got Bolt and Saudi swinging the ball, there is arguably no better combination in world cricket. And, and for him to come in uh, as first change in the bowling order, I thought that was quite strange. He should be opening. If he's going to play, he should be opening the bowling every time. Yeah, and I, I also think we missed the trick. Um, and how good is Ben Sears? I mean, we hear a bit about this, but why didn't we play him in Game 3? Yeah. I mean, unless he was injured. Why, why did we not play him in Game 3? Why not, just like we found out a bit with Finn Allen. We, you know, we found out, um, you know, with Glenn Phillips, guys without history against Australia actually might approach them differently. Uh, why didn't we play Ben Sears? Uh, that, that's something I've got to scratch my head about for a while as well when we had that opportunity. Anyway, thanks, uh, guys. Guy Havelt, uh, James Regan, we've been the panellists this morning. Thank you very much. We'll have another one uh, this time tomorrow morning, and I imagine we'll talk uh, quite a lot of rugby about uh, on that one as well, maybe some cricket as well. 10.44 here on SCNZ. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.